0: Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, We discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn?
1: Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Today's number 50. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. It's 50. <laughs> this is your 50th podcast and not only that, but you brought a special guest on the the big 50, right?
0: It's the big 50 and I I do have a special guest. But it's the big five-o. I can't believe it. I feel so grown up.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this is and for those that are listening to this that don't know, right now the average podcast goes six episodes. Six. Oh. So I mean, yeah, it's crazy. So fifty is a true milestone. Congratulations, you rock. And uh, w- without further ado, I know you you picked this guest specifically for number fifty, right? I
0: did. I did.
1: All right. Yes.
0: Okay, so my special guest is Alessa Wright, who may just be my new BFF. I just wanna tell you that. <laughs> yes. <at a> time. <laughs> so, and anyway, so Alessa, Alessa is an award-winning artist, a strategic philanthropic advisor. Okay, we like that here on this podcast, yeah. right? She's a creative social impact strategist. Again, love that. She's, feature, she's a featured contributor to a Network for Good, Global Giving, and Forbes. Super impressive already, right? And we're not even halfway through the bio. <laughs> um, <laughs> she writes uh, to offer fundraising and leadership tips to those who are working in the fields of philanthropy and social wow. change. She's a 2017 TEDx speaker who debuted her talk, Claim Your Philanthropy in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. She's a sought after national nonprofit facilitator. She can be found around the country discussing how one instills a successful culture of philanthropy and social justice values within their organizations. And in her free time, she can be found volunteering at the New York Art Association in York, Maine, where she resides with her husband William and her daughter Piper, their big orange cat Izzy and their dog Louie. So, welcome Alessa.
2: I'm so excited to be here and thanks for highlighting my hometown bunch too with my family and my non-humans. I'm so thrilled to be <laughs> here both personally and professionally, <laughs> Kim. Let's do this.
0: Yes, I'm ready to do this, but Before we really get into the bunch of questions that I have for you, folks wanna know why I have you on here. Although your SMA speaks for itself, there's so many things we could talk about in terms of philanthropy and what you do and how it relates to sustainable investing. But the reason I really have you here on the podcast isn't just so we could drink wine and talk about our BFF relationship (laughs) (laughs) we we found we have so much in common um, so much is yes we I want to share the partnership that we are creating with the nonprofit that you are the board chair for and horizons and the nonprofit is creative action Institute and this partnership that we are creating. And I will explain here what we're doing and talk a lot about it throughout this question and answer time that we have. But I deeply fell in love with the work that you're doing when Hillary just your development coordinator, contacted me out of the blue and said, Hey, you know, here's what we do. And would you be interested in working with us in some capacity? And I said, Oh, my gosh, yes, what you do really aligns with what we do here at Horizons and impact investing in terms of sustainability and women's equality and so many things. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. And I wanna get into the questions because I think it will speak for itself as we talk about the work that Creative Action Institute does. But I wanna have a little bit of fun and and I want to talk a little bit about you and about the sisterhood of this institute and the vision behind the creating social change and what you're doing with these young women and girls. and so many big questions. We're not going to get to everything, but I'm going to give it a try. So take me back to the beginning. and how did this all get started at Creative Action Institute?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, full disclosure, I have not been around since the beginning. The organization actually started in 2006, and back actually when I was in high school. I think I grad 2006 was my graduating year of high school. So, the organization's been around <laughs> oh for God, quite you're some such time. A- <laughs> Something. I know. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You are. Yeah. This is also could be called interview with a millennial. So there we go. <laughs> That's um, right. Interview with a millennial. Which could go in a whole other direction. Right. But yeah. So the organization started in 2006. It was originally called ArtCore. We rebranded a couple years ago to Creative Action Institute, but it was born out of this really humble place. It was uh, founded by women founded, woman led over its entire history. Um, but this woman who really wanted to look at ways to advance gender equality um and build a sustainable planet by way of using the arts and using the arts, you know, to catalyze community-driven solutions in the countries that we were working in. So, you know, she started down this path that was picked up by so many other incredible project leaders and consultants and collaborators over the years that's brought us to the place where we're at today, where we really try to immerse those that we work with in the field who... You know, to be really honest, I always struggle with the word empowerment. I think they already have power. We just help them access it. But we really use the arts as a way to help them access their power and to leverage their power through a variety of experiential trainings, convenings, coaching, all these different sort of things that we do around our own creative and participatory activities that we've designed over the years and are really data driven and and just help them accelerate their learning and the way in which they move through the world as leaders. So we're, not that it's always helpful, but, you know, to dot eyes and cross T's, we are a, uh, a non-profit entity. We're based in Massachusetts, but we have regional hubs in West Africa, East Africa, and Central America. Um, and originally had just started, honestly, you know, in Central America, and then it grew to be in West Africa and now East Africa. And, and we're continuing to grow and expand as well. So it's a really exciting time to be connecting with you, Kim.
0: It's an exciting thing that you're doing. And so I'm I'm really thrilled to be getting involved with the work of Creative Action Institute. And what I like is that it's so aligned with the work that you're doing already in your day job, for example, or the passions that you seem to have. So how did you get involved with Creative Action Institute on a personal level, just as a little side note?
2: Well, when folks ask me that question, I never know how far back to go in my story. I'm like, oh, like, I'm back in the womb room, and we'll just start there. But um, because I, you're right, because I think, you know, I really think that this work has been in my DNA my entire life. I think I was born to be in this field and truly believe in that. But I guess to kind of go back a little bit and just share my undergraduate degrees in theater. And I had a really transformational experience in my late teens, early 20s, working with a theater company that was really trying to, you know, have dialogues about human rights and women's rights. And I actually ended up going and working on a project in Eastern Europe and Serbia for a little while and toured a production there. And I just came back from it really fired up to be an artist, an artist activist. And so I came back and kind of, you know, I remember putting that on my LinkedIn page and people being like, what the heck is that? You're an artist, And I was like, I don't know. I made it up and I've seen it in a couple other places. I think it's cool. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get a paying job with it, but I like how it sounds. And so I ended up throwing myself into this world of how could the arts be used as a tool to transform people's lives and have, you know, birth new stories. You know, we've been telling a story for a long time in the world that isn't working for a lot of people. And I wanted to tell a new story and theater was my tool to experiment. So When I discovered Creative Action Institute, I was like, oh, look at you, like you've professionalized this idea of bringing the arts to the forefront and being able to really teach people how to lead and grow and sustain, um, you know, brilliant programmatic work they're already doing in their own right. And so I got really excited to both learn from Creative Action Institute when they came across my path in my work now in philanthropy, as well as kind of seize the opportunity, you know, to really, you know, look at the world at a time where incredible numbers of, you know, one in three women will suffer violence in their lifetime. Female genital cutting and other, uh, you know, egregious human rights violations are happening against women and girls. And I just felt, you know, if I want to continue to do this work well, I need to know and understand every single approach and put my whole self into it personally and professionally. And so that's why I decided to step up and join the board four years ago now. And uh, I spent the last two years as chair, which has been a challenge and a joy, if I'm being honest, because I never really realized. Especially with a
0: toddler.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a commitment and a half, but let's do it. So yeah, definitely, definitely joy in it, though, as well.
0: Yeah, well, I like the term artivist. And I think we're seeing a lot of organizations who are using art to make social change. And I'm really glad to, to see the work that Creative Action Institute, Institute is doing. Share with us a little bit about the core work and the key values of Creative Action Institute and, and where this is taking place.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think for us, equity and creativity rise to the top in terms of core values in our work. Again, we're working really hard around sort of these, these two core programmatic areas, gender equality and building a sustainable planet, which I guess you could also think about as a variety of different things, right? So conservation, environmental rights, environmental justice, climate change, however you would define that piece. But we think they're really you know, they're intimately connected. You know, women are very often, women and girls are very close to the solutions because of their role that they play in being in relationship to the environment and to natural resources throughout the world. So we are really testing and and proving this theory right that when you unite the two, you move forward in a way that not only supports humanity overall, but leads to a sustainable planet. So that's kind of, you know, from a really high level, some of our values and what the programming looks like. We're currently working in Latin America, in Nicaragua, Guatemala, Belize, Peru. I believe we still have a program in Honduras um, and then in West Africa and East Africa as well. So Ghana, Kenya, um, Tanzania, South Sudan. So we're really working All hard, places. Um, yes, to be global yeah. and globally minded.
0: Yeah, and these are all places where we really see the need to work with women and young girls to, to help them find and and well, as you said, not find their power, but embrace their power. So yeah, yes, definitely. excellent, definitely, yeah, yeah. And I think there's so many ways we can go and talk about these topics, and we're going to keep it somewhat high level today because you know we don't have five hours to discuss all of the details we don't don't, i know and i (laughs) you know i think we will probably have more discussions about the the work that is being done but if you can give us maybe an example of one of the programs that you have had uh, pre-covid pre-covid for your young ladies just tell us about one of those programs
2: so it's it's interesting you know, also in a profession, the professional place that I sit as a philanthropic advisor and nonprofit consultant, you know, I've been watching a lot of organizations, as you can imagine, pivot. I feel like pivot is the word of the day, like for the yes. last <laughs> two, almost two years now, but I've been watching a lot of organizations pivot for sure. And so I would say, you know, a really good example of how we pivoted and evolved throughout 2020. And I think this has a lot to do with uh, Claire Dowd, who's our incredible executive director and director. Um, our program lead, Louisa Trackman, I think the two of them together just are really good at dealing with change and facing adversity and have helped our organization to be really resilient over the last year and a half in terms of you know moving our programs to a place and space where they're serving the direct need of our girls in the moment um, while also keeping us on track for the long-term goals that we have to help them with their leadership development. So a good concrete example of that is um, This is around our program area of gender equality is the East African Girls Leadership Summit and Mentor Program, which I know is a mouthful in the office. We call it (laughs) Eagles, E A G L S It's Eagles, taking us to new heights and all these good analogies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That we come up with. But this program, you know, prior to COVID, this program would uniquely pair girls' leadership development with mentors, and they'd get training and support, and this would enable them to activate these new leadership skills they'd be learning with us at the Institute to really move forward in this summit platform that we created to advance gender equality, You know, whether the issue was helping keep girls in their school, in their schools locally, in the communities where they live, or working to eradicate and end FGC, female genital cutting, in their communities. And what we were doing is, you know, when they would return to school in their communities, they'd have these tools with them. So obviously with COVID, we couldn't physically have the summit. And so they, uh, you know, the moment of pivoting definitely came in. But we still wanted to keep all the elements of our program together because, you know, the program at that moment was six years old and um, was serving over 200 girls and i think a little over 100 mentors and so we're in this moment where we said wow this whole community this whole ecosystem like we need to show up and we need to just redesign a model that's going to one support them through covid and prioritize their health and well-being and their safety and security but two, also keep them on track to be the type of leaders that they want to be around all the activities that you know they were already doing in their communities to advance social change so we pivoted to create these safe spaces uh, we called sautiyadada, which means the girl's voice. And they were, they caught it. yeah, so these sautiyadada circles allowed for the girls to access and exchange information and tools so that they could continue to grow their leadership skills, but also do the very necessary things of just, hey, our community needs food. Our communities having issue with access to clean water. Where are you getting masks? You know? Um, what's the latest on, you know, COVID and, and you know, best practices for staying safe? And so it became this very responsive circle, you know, community of circles that we designed and there were girl-led clubs that popped up in the schools. Um, we helped the girls continue to take creative action through a virtual platform that you know we were designing and working with the mentors to continue, again, all of these arts-oriented things that we do happening in their communities. We had radio programming, phone text-based learning, just all these other really cool innovations to keep the girls connected and on track.
0: And so where were they getting the technology for these programs during COVID? Are yeah, you providing that?
2: So, yeah, definitely. Yep. So the girls had workbooks developed by us, and then we were working with the mentors and teachers that are attached to the program to help with the planning and implementation and technologies. And it probably won't surprise you, you know. Kim, it's. It, I think it's always interesting. You know, everyone has a cell phone, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, um, true. you know, at the vi- you know, so at the very end of the day, it was all right. Some SMS based learning is going to happen, and we created mm-hmm. this awesome character called Auntie Nala. And on Saturdays and during school holidays, Auntie Nala would, you know, reinforce learning around leadership and advocacy and, you know, and also make sure that while they were away from school, they were safe, because a lot of young women fall victim to to sexual harassment and assault when they're not in a safe environment. So yeah, cell phones were kind of the, the name of the day.
0: That's great. That's great. We have only scratched the surface, and there's lots of things I'd love to talk about. And before I go into talking a little bit more about the support that us at horizons want to be able to provide and and this partnership that we want to create i'm gonna throw one more question at you
2: sure and
0: yeah you're like "Uh uh-oh what's ready
2: i'm
0: ready i just took a sip of coffee so (laughs) i'm ready (laughs) i'm like oh no what's this gonna be so here's the question for you and you, uh, you have this really amazing bio which tells people a lot about you but tell us something about you that most people don't know
2: you know i think i think a lot of people don't know that because i work in philanthropy i think sometimes there's an assumption that you come from an upper middle class or a high net worth family or of some sort um Mm -hmm. and i think that the thing i love about the sector is i'm a generation of young people and i say young people lightly because i'm in my mid-30s but you know i think i'm a, a part of a generation of young people who are kind of challenging who works in philanthropy, who makes decisions in philanthropy. And so I think that sometimes, you know, people don't realize that, you know, I'm from rural Massachusetts. I grew up in the hill towns of Massachusetts, working class family. And I love that I'm part of this shift of people who are working. You know, again, we have all this experience of sometimes often being the beneficiaries and and clients and victims of the circumstances ourselves and now get to make some of the where do we move the resources around to drive change decisions and I think it's an important evolution for our field and I think a lot of people when they read my bio go to the company website hear me talk don't always know that you know I'm this kid that for a long time was cutting hot dogs in half to make mm. it through the week so that's maybe something people just don't know about me when you when you first meet me and we start chatting
0: that's amazing yes yes and it's a good story too. Well, let's just I want to share just a little bit about this partnership. And again, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I really am in love with the work that's being done here. And I'm not an artist by any means.
2: <laughs> oh, come on. I can, You've got can paint barely Zip draw Kim. a circle. <laughs>
0: <right>? <laughs> I mean, you know, I have some creative, you know, juices, but you know, <laughs> Anyway, but I'm I'm very much uh, supportive of the work that's being done. and you know, this partnership is, I hope, going to be very, a very long lived partnership. And one of the things that of course, we want to do is help direct donations and philanthropic minded folks towards Creative Action Institute. So we will have a link to your donation page on our website. And I do want to encourage folks to also go directly to Creative Action Institute to make donations for the work that you're doing. And that's, of course, creativeactioninstitute.org. And you can read all about the work that they're doing and make donations directly there. My plan is to have, I hope, your executive director on the podcast at some point in the future to talk more about the work that she's doing directly on the ground and whoever else might be willing to talk about the work. (laughs) Some people don't like to, you know, get on and talk about what they're doing. But you know, hopefully we can get some of the uh, the folks who are doing the actual work on the ground to get on and, and share their stories. And I want to do some some blog posts and just talking about all of the, the actual work. And once this COVID thing is passed, you know, if Someone twisted my arm and said, Hey, do you want to go to Africa? I, I wouldn't say no.
2: <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? You know? I know it's a right. really hard. Um... You know, I will I will share in full disclosure one of the things that I feel in my heart that's been really difficult is I wasn't able to attend I was planning on attending the Eagles summit the first year I joined the board, the East African Girls Leadership Summit in Kenya. And then yeah. I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and so I was like, Oh, I don't know if six months pregnant I wanna travel. Um mm, and then the following not. year I had an and then the following year I had an infant and then the year after that was COVID. So I have yet to actually go to Kenya. So Kim, I All right, am, well we're am, gonna go all in for a trip, we can make that happen.
0: Yeah, you and I, we're gonna go. And, you know, (laughs) so I would love to go uh, to Africa and I would love to be involved in working with these young women and, you know, being in this mentorship process. And of course I want to encourage all of my listeners to think about how gender equality really affects the lives of everyone. And that's what we're talking about here around the world, not just in these small villages, in places that we don't really think about on a day-to-day basis, but you know how it affects on the big picture and how what we invest in affects the lives of women and children, because it does. And we've talked about this on a lot of different podcasts across the board. We've talked about it when we've talked about the UN principles of investment. Sometimes I feel like I'm harping on it, but it's true. What we invest in here internationally, in our portfolios, all of those things does affect women and children. It affects the sustainability of the planet. How we're treating our women and children globally will make a difference. So supporting an organization like this I think is incredibly important. Alyssa, anything else you wanna to add today? I just want
2: to... <laughs> Yeah. Today. (laughs) What are we talking next? I guess I'll just, you know, I first want to just express a lot of gratitude to you, Kim. Um, So much of this work for those of us who, you know, deeply care about things like gender equality and building a sustainable planet. It's about connecting to, to opportunities and giving people access to the resources they need to do this work. So, Thank you for highlighting us and for your partnership and being willing to say, hey, you know, make a donation and sign up for their newsletter. We really need people active and involved in bringing their resources of all different types, you know, whatever social, intellectual, financial capital you have, channel it our way. And yeah, just please stay in touch. And we should have some exciting announcements coming soon as we go into the next Mm. calendar year and embark on a new strategic plan and vision after coming out of 2020 and realizing that, you know, we can accelerate in a a certain direction around our work. So stay tuned. And also just thank you again for this space.
0: Well, thank you for being on. And and I just wanna remind people, as well, that, you know, when you talk about some of the things you talked about that happened to, to young girls, like the female genital cutting, it, it can be difficult to hear. But these are things that are happening to these girls. And we can't forget that. And we can't just turn our heads. And so we have to think about those things. And we have to think about the impact that we can make on their lives by participating in their social change and their educational changes and the support that we can give them both emotionally and financially. So let's, let's all be a part of the bigger world.
2: Yes. And if you can take a creative action today, I love our brand in that way, you know, do something using some creativity to put a little extra kindness or have a little impact out in the world.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And your newsletter is phenomenal as well. So yeah, Eric. Do you have any questions, Eric?
1: Oh boy. If you're gonna if you're gonna give me that opportunity, (laughs) I've got one that's been just right there nagging on me. Yeah. Alyssa, I love this question. Of the work that you do, what is your favorite success story? If you could pick one.
2: Mmm. You know, it's funny, you know, I feel like when people often get asked this question, they go to something really tangible, you know, they go to sort of, you know, we had this success and it resulted Mm -hmm. in this very concrete thing. But I think that I feel, and I think this is part of also what I'm so inspired by Creative Action Institute and what we're building there. I think the most success, you know, success I can point to is just the ecosystem that is being built around folks working in the gender equality space. You know, I have to say that in my own personal work, it always feels good when, you know, last year we had a couple of clients who received, you know, big checks from venture philanthropists like Mackenzie Scott and Jack Dorsey. And, you know, and I was like, oh, like that's a big career win for me personally to like be a part of those stories and how those, you know, those opportunities came to be. But on the flip side of that, I just love that there's more collaboration in the space because Mm -hmm. people are really starting to say, wow, like, you know, how do we put our egos aside and stop working in silos and really start to collaborate and connect? And I just... I have a lot of gratitude for that, and I'd have to say that, you know, working with Creative Action Institute has made me realize that not everyone collaborates or learns the same way, so we also have to be committed to being in this work together over the long haul. Mm -hmm. You can't really flip a switch and have, you know, gender parity throughout the world or, you know, reverse all the damage that's been done by climate change, but you can definitely keep moving forward, and if we work together, hopefully we can accelerate the pace a little bit for kiddos like mine.
0: Before we go, Alyssa, would you like to uh, share the contact information for Creative Action Institute as well?
2: Oh, you know I would, Kim, definitely. So you can find us at creativeactioninstitute.org. We really encourage you to sign up for our newsletter and then also find us on social media. So head on over to Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter and follow us at Creative Action Institute. And please, you know, uh, also you can feel free to reach out and be in touch um, with us if you have some specific questions or ideas or ways that you'd like to step into our work at info, I-N-F-O, at creativeactioninstitute.org as well.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Alyssa. Thanks for being here.
2: You're welcome, Kim.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Again, I'll just echo what Kim said, Alyssa. Thank you so much for being here. And Kim, I have to thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this journey with you. And like Alyssa said, people are collaborating and you do such a great job of that exact thing just within this podcast, educating and teaching and delivering information that people want to hear, need to hear, and are probably hearing for the first time in most cases. So. I love the fact that you've allowed me to go on this journey with you. Thank you so much for that. And, of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. You are here for number 50. That's something special. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it will show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at Kim at Join the conversation on Twitter at s u s t f i n, or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of horizon sustainable financial services the content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.